Kids love movies. If you're a young person who can't see or can't see well, Audio Description provides access to the visual images that sighted kids enjoy. The benefits of Audio Description in Education Baby Contest, sponsored by ACB's Audio Description Project and the Described and Captioned Media Program, wants those kids to experience Audio Description and then tell us about it. You have a chance to win prizes for yourself and your teacher. Just go to www.badycontest.org, B-A-D-I-E contest.org, and keep on enjoying audio description. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affects all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and I am very pleased to be bringing you a great show today. So before we get started, the promo that you heard at the beginning of this program, that was Dr. Joel Snyder, the the Beatty Awards. They have also opened up submissions for the ADP Audio Description Awards. Um, I believe that the the uh, submission timeline is through March, the end of March. So if there are programs or organizations or persons that you wish to nominate, go to Audio Description Project and take a look at the awards and see what categories. And the reason that I am saying all this is because next week I will have the pleasure of speaking with Susan Glass and, of course, Dr. Joel Snyder, plus a couple of other special audio description guests to talk all things Audio Description Project, the Beatty Awards, and the Audio Description Project Awards. I also want to mention real quick the advocacy update with Clark. Uh, You'll find Kate him co-hosting with Cindy Hollis this week, talking all things membership and membership growth, et cetera, et cetera. Check that out. And I'd like to highlight one of um, Blind Pride International's programs tomorrow night at 8 p.m. There will be a beautiful listening session with a homily and words of um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And then a sharing and listening portion afterwards. So please join BPI at 8 p.m. tomorrow evening. You can find the invites for all of that on the various lists, as you can find the Zoom link for today's program on the various lists or my Facebook page. If you have any questions for our guests, due to technical difficulties, we have flipped the order of the guests today. We're going to start with Terry Suarez, and then we will move in and have a great conversation with Kenneth Simeon in the second hour. So let's get rolling. Terry, welcome to Sunday Edition. Thank you, Anthony, so much for allowing me this great opportunity. (laughs) I don't know how great the opportunity is, but I am definitely looking forward to our conversation. You seem to be popping up all over the place lately. It reminds me a little bit of how I suddenly popped up all over the place when I first got to ACB. So I'm imagining if uh, if we're like-minded, your passion is all over the place and you want to dive into as much as you possibly can, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about where you're from, how you found ACB, 
and uh, tell the tell the listeners a little about yourself. Okay, well, thank you again. Um, but first, I have to say thank you to Debbie um, for allowing us to be introduced to each other. And how did I? Where was I born? Well, believe it or not, I am a native Floridian. I'm American Cuban, so firstborn American generation. I was born in Miami. I still have family in Miami. My sister actually lives in Miami Lakes, so you guys might mm. be neighbors. <laughs> we might be. We yeah. Have to check that out soon. <laughs> we'll have to. If I, whenever I go down there, I'm going to be like, hey. <laughs> hey, let's meet up at the Publix and walk on up and get a Cuban coffee. <laughs> oh, definitely. Let's talk about that Cuban coffee. You said, um, you said maybe this is a two-hour interview. Is that what you said? Um, <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, so I was um, born in Miami, and I lived there my first five years of my life. English is actually my second language. Um, when I moved up to Kissimmee, Florida, you guys might know it as um, Kissimmee at night. Um, my mom was... Um, came up here to work at this place. You guys may know it. It's called Walt Disney something. Is that and the one with the mouse? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, it opened up its doors in October of 1971. And I was born in 1972. And my grandmother um, took care of me my first couple of years while my mom regrouped herself and came up and established herself with the rat. Um, and then I basically grew up in central Florida and, um, now I am living the farthest North ever. I live in Claremont, Florida, but I'm still get to hear the fireworks from Disney. So, you know, there's kids that grow up and say they were Disney brats. I mean, uh, uh, military brats. I was a Disney brat. (laughs) So, yeah, so I, I loved it. Um, I'm very passionate about pretty much anything I do. Um, Thanks to my mom, Maria Carney, I have always had the energy and the desire to grab the mic. Um, She had me in beauty pageants since I was three years old. Um, I have had a lot of titles underneath my belt. My first one was when I was three. I was Little Havana. Um, and then, um, little Miss Osceola, um, and then little Miss Silver Spurs. And there was a whole bunch of more littles in there. And, um, it led me to a really great public speaking. Um, I was the youngest in Toastmasters in my town. And I want to let anybody know if, if they have a fear of, standing in front of people or just want to improve their communication skills and their leadership skills. Uh, Toastmasters have been around since 1929 and it's a fantastic organization that really helped develop my leadership skills. And then we'll skip my elementary, middle and high school years because thank goodness goodness we did not have YouTube or internet or anything of that. Um, But um, Let's take a pause for a moment, though. Beauty pageants. I think that that's something that a, a, a good bulk of our audience um, probably never got the opportunity to experience either as a participant or or as um you know as a a consumer. So what's um what was that experience like? 
Oh, it was so much fun. Um, you gain such confidence whenever you would achieve little goals. So you would interview with judges. You would learn how to properly walk. Um, I used to walk around the house all the time with a book on my head. So I maintain good posture. My mom was fantastic as she ran me around from toe, jazz, tap, gym, gym, gymnastics, cheerleading, wherever I needed to go to improve my self-awareness. Would you classify your mom as a pageant mom? No, she was not a helicopter mom. She would never force me. She would never force me on the stage. I was always the one going, when's my next one, mom? I want another crown. <laughs> Did you um, feel like a princess when you got your crown? Um, you know what? I was very humbled when I ever I would see my crown. I, nice. I'll never forget that um, when I was in Little Miss Silver Spurs, because um there's a little story. Um, you know, my last name is Suarez and Central Florida in the 70s and 80s was very not familiar with the Hispanic culture. So for security reasons, my name was changed to Terry Marshall because my mom was married at the time to a Marshall. So I was actually on stage with all these other young women, young late, well, children. We were, I was 10. And uh, girls who were all, you know, the Bronsons and the Partons and the Whaley's and, you know, they were all, you know, raised in the area. And um, when they called my name, they had to call my name like three times. Like I did, I, I never really believed they were calling my name. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I won? So I never went in it to win it. So don't tell anybody that, that was my secret. I went in it to experience it. And I had so much fun. I because Anthony, I don't know if you know, I love talking to people. And you know, I figured that out recently and I like yeah, that a lot. Yeah. I love sharing and making someone's day. And um I was blessed to be born with sight and I embrace life every day for 45 years. And that's when I was 45 years old, is when I lost my um sight. Um, and so I lived my life as much as I could. I love to travel, um, rode horses. I've, um, learned, I was 10 hours short of getting my pilot's license to have, not to be a commercial pilot, but just to have my private pilot's license because I wanted to get places faster <laughs> and there's <laughs> nothing faster than getting in your, getting in a plane. And, um, you know, I'm just adventurous. If someone says, hey, you want to try this? I'm the one that's like, yeah, hold my beer. I'll be right back. <laughs> so that's something else we have in common. I was about 22 hours away from from getting my certification. Um, oh, yeah. I yeah. flying. I, you know, I miss driving the most. Um, but right? I miss I miss the opportunity. I think I miss the most is is having having not been able to finish that and having taken my first solo flight. Um, oh. I think that's the biggest opportunity I miss. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to take my solo flight either. I was 10 hours short, but I have friends that have um, 
you know, uh, I've got one friend that has a seven seat pipe, uh, Piper plane. So he's like, you know, you can't take off or land, but I'll let you fly. So Anthony, we can fly a plane. We just can't at this time have the technology <clears throat> to land it or take off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have a friend who recently, um, him and his, his friend purchased a plane together. And I've been thinking about, you know, the, the best way to say, hey, once, you know, take me up. And once we're up, can I take the controls for a little while? Just, you yeah. know. Just to You're have not going to run into anything. <laughs> There's <laughs> alarms that go off and you don't have to worry about the sidewalks and all that. You just got to listen to your instruments. That's all. <laughs> so I, yeah. I think I, there are a couple of questions that if I don't ask, I think my listening audience will uh, be sending me massive emails of, of, um, of complaint. What was your talent? And will you share a little of it with us? My talent. Um, in the in the pageants oh oh okay um so for little miss silver for little miss silver spurs it was riding horses um there wasn't really a talent portion of that competition it was more um posture uh interviewing because you were actually representing one of the largest rodeos in the uh, south of the mississippi um, east of the Mississippi, and that was Silver Spurs Rodeo. So I got to travel all over to be a spokesperson for the rodeo. So uh, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. So it was amazing. So a lot of interviews and then walking and posturing and stuff like that. Um, I might have done some clogging because I did do clogging as well. And then for Little Miss Osceola, Again, it was not focused on talent. It was again about presence interviewing because you were actually representing Osceola County on a state level. And I got to travel all around. I got to work with Miss Universe, Miss Florida, Miss USA. And it was pretty much um, the only one I think I had to do was my younger years when I was five and younger was dance. So I danced. So did you so stay with, how long guess, did you stay with, how long did you stay with dance? Oh, I still dance every day. Beautiful. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't go to classes or anything, but whenever I have a day um, or I have a moment, um, I turn on a song and I dance it out. So dance is my, my love. I want to, now that my life has slowed down from, I was in the medical field for over 28 years, I wanna get back into taking dancing. I wanna get back into ballroom dancing. I wanna get back into, you know, learning that as my mobility, as one of the discussions I really had recently had on the health checkup has really been affected by my vision changes. So I'm really excited about when things get back to the new way of adding dance classes again. I'm so bummed I missed the line dancing on Friday call. Yeah, I saw that in the in the list and I'm 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 definitely yeah. very curious as to you know what the the, the teaching process is for that. So I know that's they, gonna they be exciting. Those, I definitely want to check that out. Wait till yeah. wait till we do our convention. We're gonna be doing some line dancing Anthony. Or maybe All we'll right. do some salsa instead. 
yeah, I'm definitely up for the salsa for sure. <laughs> the line dancing, I I'm going to need some instruction and, and possibly somebody um, right behind me. If you can do a great <laughs> vine, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you, you just said, but I, I do know from our previous conversation that um, you did go into the medical field. Tell us a little bit about, you know, once you were finished high school, did you know what direction you wanted to go in? How did you end up in the medical field and, and what, um, what various positions did you hold? Okay, so I have to tell you, my fascination of medicine started when I was five years old. I always was trying to figure out how things work. I wasn't a typical young little girl. Um, I, my neighbor had um, those little hot cars. I would take them apart and try to figure out how they worked. My mom got mad at me because I took my Barbie dream house and turned it into a garage with all his cars in it and stuff. And um, <laughs> I always was taking things apart. And I was so fascinated with the human body and everybody, the three of us that were first born American generation, um, were supposed to all go to medical school because medicine is a very big part of my family. My great grandfather um, was the doctor and I had an aunt in, in Cuba. And then one of my uncles was the equivalent of the Surgeon General of Havana and Cuba. So there's a lot of medicine in our, in our world. And I was always the girl that was mixing this, you know, science. So when I was in high school, um, I was a, a sophomore and it was political science or medicine that I was going to go into. I was actually um, picked at the age of 16 to go be a state page for a senator. And I got to spend two weeks in Tallahassee. And then when I was 17, I got to go to Washington, D.C. and actually be a Senate page for that experience. And once I experienced the national I decided not to go into political science and I came back and fell back in love with medicine. So I became a candy striper at 16. So right about the same time I was trying to figure it out and I just fell in love with helping people. Um, I got involved in the medical explorers and I went around with everybody and I'm like, wow, I don't wanna be a doctor. I wanna go, I wanna learn what is this respiratory therapist? and what I can explain is, is for the first time in my 28 years, I don't have to tell everybody what a respiratory therapist is. And my yeah. mom tells me all the time, she's like, you know, you detaching your retinas at work on September 2017 saved your life. Because I would have been the first one on a plane to go to New York. I would have been the first one on the plane because I was on all the teams, you know, uh, DMAT team, disaster team, you know, EOC team, <laughs> you named it. I was involved in the teams. And she's like, I probably would have lost you because I would have been a respiratory therapist that wants to find out what's going on and be part of the solution. And I love, I, I miss my career. I miss my profession. I have uh, three college degrees. Um, the highest degree I have is a baccalaureate in cardiopulmonary science. And the reason why I didn't go get my master's is because 
I got too busy learning how to do everything. I uh, did flight transport. Um, I would, you know, get in a plane and fly down to wherever I needed to go to help pick up patients to transport them to the United States. Um, for special surgeries, we picked up um, special kids. I, my favorite is open heart. So I worked with um, congenital heart defects, um, hyperplastic hearts. In other words, babies that were born with three chamber hearts. You're supposed to have four chambers in your heart. And I actually got to work with Dr. Norwood. And if you know anything about congenital hearts, he's the gentleman that actually developed the procedure that is done around the world to help get this three chamber heart to work like a functioning heart. And there's three stages to it. And I was part of that team. Um, I've been a part of the team where we actually helped develop devices where we would take the kids into cath lab and actually close holes in the heart without wow. open heart, without opening up the chest, where it was like a mushroom valve. So you would take the catheter up the groin, put the catheter through the hole, blow up this balloon, pull the catheter out, and then the other side would blow up. So it looked like a sandwich and seal both sides of the heart. And we started it with kids. And then we found out we could do it in adults. And it was really, really amazing. Um, I've just had, I did ECMO. Um, ECMO is external capillary membrane oxygenation. And basically when you're heart or lungs have had such a traumatic event that's reversible. We put you on this form of life support so your body can rest and we can actually allow your lungs to rest and your heart to rest or give us time to find you a new heart and, you know, maintain cerebral circulation or maintain brain function. So, um, yeah, I didn't go on in my education because I, I love working with my hands and I love learning. And um, my favorite term that I used to tell my students when I was teaching is um, if someone wants to teach you something on their dime, say yes. What are you going to yeah. lose? <laughs> knowledge, knowledge is power. Knowledge is addicting. Like I always want to learn. And I'm super blessed that I'm in this community called ACB. Um, I've only been involved since August of 2020. Can you believe it? That's I do. I, I can absolutely understand that. I, you know, my the viewers know my story, so I'm not gonna the listeners, excuse me. So I'm not gonna, you know, bore them with that again. But I can, I can full, fully appreciate. Why don't um Why don't we take one step back and and give us an an overview of what happened with your site, and um then tell us how you stumbled into ECB. Okay. Thanks. Um. So I, um, it was my fourth uh, shift in a row and I drove myself to work, uh, dropped off my medical service dog because um, I actually have severe asthma. That's not why I went into respiratory. Um, and uh, I dropped him off and we, I drove to work on September 25th, 2017. Didn't think anything about it. I walked in, I put my stuff down. They're like, hey, you're training so-and-so tonight. I'm like, great. So started our shift off and right away I was called for an emergency in cath lab. So we went to cath lab. We 
to care that emergency. Um, about an hour and a half later, we got called to another emergency upstairs on the third floor. We went up there and that was one of my patients that I have had for the last three nights. And it was very stressful because of course, um, at that moment in time, we were experiencing a shortage. And because of the emergency in cath lab, it pulled out half of the response team, the code team, because that patient required one-on-one. -on -one. So I had no charge nurse, I had no rapid response nurse. And so I was calling for backup from my nursing staff. And um, all I kept hearing was, we can't come, we can't come. So I was pretty much directing what the team was doing and our physicians weren't available either because there was an emergency in the ER and there was just so much going on. So basically I helped run the emergency. The patient survived, everything was fine. And I sat down with my trainee and I noticed the computer that it started kind of like fading in and out. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, and I, and I told my trainee, I said, um, hey, this is a great time for you to show me how you know how to use our computer system, how your training went. <laughs> so, so she was doing the computer work and was asking me questions and I would tell her, but I was like, what is going on with my vision? So I'm doing, the, of course, now I'm assessing me, the healthcare, providing, healthcare provider is assessing herself. I'm like, did I eat before I came to work? Is it my sugars? Am I dehydrated? You know, what's going on? And then I noticed my right arm was getting weaker and tingly, not my left, my right. And I was just starting to feel really weird. And my vision was just going in and out. And I didn't see, you know, like the shades that everyone talks about, but it was just like all of a sudden it was like everything was blurry, like super, super blurry. And then it was fading in and out of black and the computer was just wavy. I'm like, what is going on? So we finished the documentation we needed because the doctor needed, the doctor showed up and was taking over. And I told, I turned to my, my um, new staff member and I said, hey, part of your training tonight is going to teach you what to do when you're the patient. She's like, you don't look so good. I'm like, I don't feel so good. We need to go to the ER. So I, we go to the ER and I walk up to the charge nurse and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I've just done the assessment. I don't feel like I'm having a stroke, but my vision's blurry, my right arm. And so of course, right away, they call the stroke alert and they put me in the bed and they whisked me to CAT scan. It was funny because they were like, where's Terry? It's a stroke alert. And then everyone's like, it is Terry. And the team did a very good job making sure my neurological status was present. So I do have three MRIs and a CAT scan proving that I have a brain. If anyone has questions, <laughs> I will share those reports. Um, but what I'm very disappointed is my own hospital, my own team um, delayed care that my ret it was my retinas that detached. So I didn't get to see a retina specialist for 74 hours after detachment. And I didn't detach one eye, I detached both at the exact same time. Now, the causes were not 100%. There's a lot of factors. Um, I, over 40 years of being on steroids because of my lungs. And when I was younger as a child, I had some close head injuries. And um, 
we're just not sure. And then I learned, have you ever listened to Blind and Beyond Radio Station with Michael? Yes. Have you ever heard him talk about stress blindness? I have. Yeah. So I was like, huh, well, that's kind of an interesting. <laughs> so um, I don't know. There were so many factors. And with my personality of wanting to, to dissect and analyze what happened so we can take it as an opportunity of improvement and maybe something that I learned I can help prevent someone else from going through this, um, I realized I can't do that anymore. So for the first year and a half after I went through six surgeries, I took a deep breath and I said, I don't know why this happened, but I need to start moving forward. And so I started at New Vision for Independent Living because I live in Lake County. Lighthouse is over on the, um, in Orange County. And um, I began my path of infancy blindness training is what I call it. I didn't know how to brush my teeth blind. I would go through the whole tube of toothpaste and not get it on my, like someone taught me, they're like, why don't you just put the toothpaste on your tongue and then sort Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> or, or even how to eat. Like, yeah, like telling a Latin woman how to eat, you think, you know, but um, learning how to eat, um, how to cook again. Um, and I was the type of girl that I was on the computer four to six hours a day, because not only was I a respiratory therapist, I was also an educator and involved with American Heart and American Lung where I was uh, part of their committees for fundraising and awareness and a lecturer. And so I would fly all around the United States and they'd call me and be like, Hey, can you go to Nebraska and go do a presentation? Or can you go to California and speak at this conference and that conference? So I was always working on PowerPoints and always, you know, helping others with research. And here I am, I hadn't touched a computer in a year and a half and I couldn't, use a mouse. And Anthony, I'm sure you went through the same way with your journalism and your transition. And I walked into my VR class. And on the first day, when you shared this last week, I laughed. I said, he's sharing my story. They're like, today, we're going to work on a resume. I'm like, a resume? So I handed my four-page resume and a CV. And she's like, well, this says resume and this says CV on it. What's a CV? And she had a doctorate mm -hmm. in, yep. in leadership and training. And she, she didn't know what a CV was. And I'm like, yep. my CV is like nine pages long. And, um, and I said, I really don't need a resume. Then that sounds familiar, Anthony. <laughs> okay. so. And um, they truly didn't know what to do with me in VR. Um, they just didn't know what to do because I did not fit the mold. And um so they're like, well, what are you going to do? What job are you going to go for? And I'm like, I'm not going for a job. I want to start a business. And that totally blew them out of the water. And yeah. yeah. And then unfortunately, I did have a traumatic event occur. Um, I did get my computer through DBS and all that good stuff. And I was starting to do the mechanics. Um, and then Duke and I went down to visit my parents for Christmas in St. Cloud. And um, him and I were attacked by two dogs. So he survived. He's doing great. I ended up in the hospital eight days and hand surgery. So from January of 20, um, 
I was in a hospital and it was in my hospital again. And I noticed everyone coughing and sneezing and the respiratory therapists were all coming by and all my friends were coming by and they're like, stay in this room. Don't come out. There's like this nasty bug going around. I'm like, Oh, you know me. They're like, you're doing so good. And, um, then it was time for discharge. And it was so funny because the case manager comes in and goes, well, we're going to put you in rehab for two weeks. I'm like, excuse me. Why? She's like, I'm like, my bandages are off. I can move my fingers. I mean, they're still puffy. She's like, but you're blind. I said, excuse me. She's like, you're blind. I said, I, what do I need to do to prove to you that I can go back to my home? And she said, well, you need to show that you can take care of yourself. I said, okay, hold my beer and watch me. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> they don't <laughs> let you drink beer <laughs> in the hospital. So I did. I had to have the nurse watch me for a day to show. And I said, well, I want to go take a shower. They're like, the shower's over there. I'm like, okay, over there where? Left, right, you know, how many steps? And I did. I took showers. I, you know, did everything. Um, I made my own sandwiches. They would bring me the stuff so they can see. And I was like, yeah. And if it wasn't for BB at New Vision for Independent Living and the team there, I would have ended up in rehab for two weeks. And who knows if I would have been exposed to everything that's going on now, because the virus was way here before we knew it was here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so how did I get to ACB? I had a beautiful instructor, um, Anna Lee. She's our Braille instructor at New Vision. And we were riding on a bus one day and I said, you know, I'm in this brand new world. I can't believe there's not an organization or whatever. Cause when I was doing the research, I got kind of confused with the two and trying to learn which one to start and, you know, have the best experience. And she told me, she's like, I recommend starting with ACB. And I said, you know what? I was going to go that way because it started with an A and the other one started <laughs> with an N. So I was kind of leaning that way. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so we started talking in February um, when I started back to school, because at that time we weren't in quarantine. And um, I reached out and she's like, you need to talk to Sheila Young. I'm like, okay, great. So I reached out to Sheila Young and um, I said, there's no, there's no chapter in my area. And she's like, well, what do you want to do about it? I'm like, I want to start a chapter. <laughs> So unfortunately, due to all the other events that followed and focusing on having successful conventions and conferences and all that stuff, my um, fee for joining um, FCB was turned into a donation <laughs> because the process of paying and sending your application. And um, but now I'm a fully 100 um, percent FCB member at large. And I am having the honor of working with Peggy Carpenter. And we are starting the ground roots of developing Florida Council of the Blind at large. And with all the executive team of FCB, where it's gonna be fantastic. We've already started a Facebook group where yes. we just wanna get everyone interested. And Anthony, it would be an honor if you would please join it. Um, it is a private group, so you do have to answer questions to come in. 
and it's for everyone on the sight spectrum. If you have no, if you've had no sight, if you're low, medium, or fully sighted, we want you to be a part of our group. Awesome. And you we're get the your chapter. Working. Oh, <clears throat> I was just gonna say we're the chapter without borders. <laughs> Absolutely, and you're working closely with um, Cassandra as well. She, yes, yeah. Cassandra, the whole membership committee. Yeah, they were really wonderful. We just recently had a meeting and they are um, really making sure we take the process nice and slow so that way we don't miss any opportunities of making sure the foundation of FCB at large, because I'm not stopping at being a leader in FCB at large. Anthony, if you haven't figured that out. Yes. So <laughs> I, I remember, and you know, I'm, I'm um, a transplanted native New Yorker. Um, I've lived in several places, as the listeners know, Dallas, Atlanta, Boston, I've bounced around, but I am now a uh, transplanted Floridian. And I remember hearing you during the hybrid convention, the state convention, um, my partner Gabriel is uh, education and scholarship, et cetera, et cetera. And he needed to be a part of, of the committee presentations for FCBs. And we decided to take the plunge um, and trust that all of the, all of the safety um, recommendations were in place that we would, that we would be in, um, you know, in a hybrid situation. All was well, all was done, I, I have to say impeccably, Florida, who, you know, took the lead and was the first state convention even before national, sort of the dry run for national, took the lead and, and um, presented the first hybrid state convention. And I remember hearing you there, um, but you, were you, I don't remember if you were in person or if you were coming through Zoom. Um, so I did not, Okay, so are you thinking about mid-year um, board meeting? Yes. Okay, okay, because I wasn't involved in ACB yet. That was Janine. Um, I was in Zoom. Janine... I'm sorry, I, I said convention. <laughs> I meant the mid-year board meeting. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to go, but at the last minute due to my asthma, um, I would just, I just, my heart said, don't risk it. Um, and if I could still be involved, and that's what's so amazing about Zoom and ACB radio, is we have all these tools that we had already developed, but now they're super sharp, that we can still be involved and have our voice heard. Um, and it was really hard for me because I'm a very, I'm a very tactile person. I love giving hugs and, and um, really, I didn't go in person because um, I could not restrain from giving all the wonderful people that have helped me in ACB a hug. And I stayed home and still participated in Zoom. Janine, she was actually there and some others were actually there in the room. So, but I'm super so, excited about um, our hybrid conference. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's um let's let's dive into some of some of the uh, projects and uh, calls and stuff. Let's let's start with outside adventures. Okay, Anthony, I really really appreciate you, but I need to take a moment to correct you. We enjoy going outside adventures, but we're out of sight adventures because <laughs> we like to have. Um, outside adventures and inside adventures, but that's another call. 
but uh, yeah, Out of Sight Adventures is where we go on a trip every Monday at from 8, 8, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. And we immerse ourselves in a traveling experience. We either go domestic or international. I have a fantastic crew. Um, Brian Smith is my wingman. He and I actually know each other from high school and then recently caught up with each other and on Facebook. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm like learning how to live life again. He's like, what? He's like, no way. He's like, I lost my sight 13 years ago. So talk about, you know, circling. So now he's a member of GOCB and FCB and he's on the call with me. Then we have Janine, who is our activities director, and the three of us just have so much fun. And then we can't forget our different pilots, Tyson and Desiree and David and uh, Roger, who was our first pilot. And we really try to have a lot of fun and take everybody away for that one hour to anywhere they want to go. Like last Monday this week, um, we went to Fiji. And um, Brian, I said, Brian, we need to slow it. Let's just go to two places. Let's go to Bali and Fiji. And the first thing we did when we landed in Fiji, no, we went to Bali first, is we had hammocks. And we had two minutes of just sitting and listening to the ocean like we were in on the coast of Bali. Because our world is getting so inundated with all this trauma and crisis and stuff we needed to just take the whole community with us and we have an amazing method of travel we have our acb airlining airline we actually introduced our winnebago uh, winnebago <laughs> i said it again <laughs> you know english is my second language right <laughs> um but we had so much fun we we um visited a bunch of um United States National Parks, and we took we were on the Winnebago. Um, Desiree was our pilot, really, or our driver, and really helped with sound effects. And we really immerse ourselves into the culture, the food, the music. And now for 2021, the travel call, we are really focusing on trying to include more audio description experience, um, more um, videos where. Those of us that have, that have um, do have vision can also experience um, some visual as well when they're on the Zoom. So we're really excited. Um, Monday, um, we're going to Atlanta, Georgia, and we're going to be uh. visiting. Yeah. So um, being in respect of Martin Luther King, you know, his church was up there and we're going to have a really we're going to have a blast. So. It's hard. It's hard not to have a great time in Hotlanta. That is right. Sure. Yeah, Hotlanta. Yeah, it's so much fun. I'm curious if there are any future plans for one of my bucket list destinations, Antarctica. Antarctica. Well, you know, we have our own out of sight adventures. 2020 at gmail.com that you can submit that but since i know who the crew director is i'll make sure to put that on the list awesome. <laughs> we've already we've already got the next three months planned because um, we do a lot of research for our shows um, it's not put together 
you know, overnight, um, we do investigate and really try to find and, and match it up with certain things. So I will put that down. Antarctica. Got it. <laughs> Antarctica. I have my bucket list. They run um, research cruises where you're a passenger, yes. but you're also, you know, you're also collecting specimens, collecting guano. Um, you stop at the Falcon Islands, go through the Drake Passage, you know, and depending on what time of the year and what, you know, what the there are periods of time where you can't go at all because the Drake Passage is closed, but that's, I'm digressing as I'm known for, but depending <laughs> on the time of the year, you stop at two or three of the different scientific stations there, um, you know, and you're put to work for two or three days uh, as well as, you know, I mean, it's breathtaking. Um, and even though I don't have any sight left, I have light perception uh, in the left eye, nothing in the right at all. And the six surgeries you mentioned before, that was my magic number as well. I remember going in for the sixth for the sixth one, knowing at that point that I was I had fully understood that the things they'd been telling me previous that this might and that might weren't gonna turn into the miracle that I was convincing myself each surgery they were going to be. But again, I'm digressing. Um, I will make it physically to Antarctica at some point in the future. That's that's been my bucket list, my number one on my bucket list for for years. So please add that to you. Oh, to I the will. List. But what are some of the other destinations coming up in the next few weeks? Oh, you know, Anthony, I can't share that with you because oh, okay. because we try to keep it a little mysterious. And what you can do is visit our Facebook page and figure it out because we do do trivia, and if we give you too much ahead of time, you might figure out the trivia answer. Trivia and yeah. Gotcha. But um, I do want to say that um, our goal in 2021 is not only do we virtually go to these places, we will be planning trips as a group, as out-of-sight adventures. So, you know, that bucket list of going to Antarctica, maybe we'll put a trip together. Awesome. And actually do it because I want to do that too. I know we want to do London and um, closer to Christmas because of the whole Harry Potter experience. Um, and I, we want to do it live. We want to, you know, get a group together and see. I know we're talking about re, uh, looking at doing a cruise. Uh, the cruise would not be affiliated with ACB, but out of sight adventures. Um, we are talking to certain cruise liners and just trying to get the best deal for us but it's right now so you know um wax and waning with that industry right now the cruising industry they're trying yeah, to make sure absolutely. it's the best situation yeah. yeah but um but yeah come join us stay tuned if you're not able to come because you've got another call you can always listen to us because thanks to acb radio and the team um we do we are broadcast and stream so you can catch our podcast and catch it again so Absolutely. yeah we're super excited yeah you know i'm a, i'm a marketing guy at heart um so i will throw out a quick little maybe sometime this year uh around easter you might want to do a bonus find the easter bunny where does the easter bunny kind of thing for kids and pull some kids into into your adventure orbit oh yes so we did do some specials last year we did a christmas special yeah yeah and we did a halloween special 
And so that is definitely an excellent idea. I will take it back to the team, to the crew. Um, my out of sight adventure, we're crew. Um, my other health, my health checkup call that I'm super passionate about, that's my team. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's transition to that. I, I saw something on the ACB Facebook page, um, the community page, which I'm very proud of, you know, Cindy Hollis and the team. Uh, we put this together a couple months ago and we worked really hard to make sure uh, that we had a format and we had moderators that would, that would, you know, I myself being one, that we would have a beautifully open and wonderful page to, uh, to represent the community at, at, as a whole, including and most, most definitely all of the community calls. And so I know that you are stepping up for a few weeks to take the lead with health checkup. Tell us a little about that call and um, what we could expect if we join that call. Yeah, well, um, health checkup is actually a brainchild of, you know, my um, passion for helping and educating patients. And I'm like, what can I do? So I called Cindy and I said, Cindy, I, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. What do you need? She's like, oh, I need, I get all these requests of these hot topics and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, how about if I come up with a name and get back with you? So the birth of health checkup, and if you notice, um, or if you can hear it, health stands for home, emergency, attitude, lifestyle. And for 2021, we've changed it to trauma and hot topics. So basically, exactly. So it's an acronym. So we do different kinds of series of calls. Well, being that I'm a team player, um, I had to create a team for this call. Well, guess what? I have it. Um, but we are looking for one more missing team member <laughs> that would be able to come on every once in a while. Um, so I have Darrow, who's also one of our streamers. He has a history of being a 911 dispatcher for 15 years. So one of the things that we talk about is how to interact with 911. Why do they ask all the questions? 911, what is your emergency? And for Christmas, we did CPR training and we went through the steps and each one of us played our role. The next team member that I wanna talk about is Jay. Jay is um, a retired paramedic firefighter and rescue diver that has lost oh. his sight. So all three of us make up this team. So I represent the ER hospital side and we work together. And again, it's another call that requires a lot of research. Um, we just had a fantastic call this Wednesday. It was about how to improve balance, balance for um, mobility. So we had a, Jay was wonderful to get, oh, I forgot her name, it just slipped my mind. Um, she is a horseback therapist where she teaches you how to horseback riding because of learning how to keep your balance on the horse and how the muscles work and all this wonderful information that you learn about your body awareness and trusting the horse and just this wonderful therapeutic event, which by the way, Leslie Spoon um, has experienced it. Um, this horse... Um, facility is in Pennsylvania. 
And it was an amazing call. Go back, listen to the podcast. And then Leslie Spoon um, joined us and talking about yoga and exercise and how that helps with mobility and strengthening, especially our ankles, since we're not out and about as much. And it was just such a fun call. And then today, um, because I couldn't um, find how to audio descript it, I did talk about dancing and how dancing can help us. Did you know we've already had uh, a blind contestant on Dancing with the Stars? I did. Yes. So I posted um, her video, but I, I, I was trying to find someone to help me audio descript the performance, but she did fantastic. She's a para, uh, Paralympian for, what was it, down downhill skiing and slaloming and all this stuff with her husband doing it tandem with her and they won two bronze medals in the Paralympics and oh just an amazing woman and she had lost her sight at the age of 13. So what I love about our community is we all have these amazing stories but what is amazing is we're all uniting together to create one voice to make sure that we don't lose what we've gotten and to work together to improve our quality of life. And I love that. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to take a moment to ask engineer extraordinaire behind the scenes guru Mr. Byron Lee, I know that there are some participants are any of the hands raised do we have any questions anyone waiting to talk to Terry? Oh, they'll catch me on Monday, Wednesday, or Sunday. We didn't even talk about Sunday. <laughs> yeah, let's jump into Sunday real quick too. Yes. As of right, as of right now, I don't see any hands up. But if people want to raise their hands and and ask a question, let us know. And in the meantime, Terry, tell us about Sunday. Okay, so Sunday is a brand new world. Um, this call was created um, after uh, Janine and I were at the Bar and Grill, and there's this beautiful woman, her name is Hiel, that lives in Washington, and we were talking about we needed to create a, a call where we can just call in and say, you know, today, do you know what I did today? Today, I, you know, had a blind moment. And just have a place to talk for those of us that are new, you know, that I wanted to throw my keyboard out the window because I Jaws was trying to bite me, you know, or just the frustration of making that transition from sighted world to our brand new world. And Hiel has been doing a, a, a good job. Um, but, you know, there's this thing called life. So she's taking a little moment to get some life situations um, organized. And so Janine and I were like, well, we're not going to turn the call off. This is the three of us. We're going to do this call. So uh, Janine and I are taking over while Hiel gets things all situated in her personal life. And um, it's basically a place to come and say, do you know today I really wanted to just get in a car and drive? Or <laughs> A couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, this was so last year, I was stranded by Uber. And by the time I got home, it was three hours later. I was mm. sitting on my golf cart. I had my golf club in my hand and I was staring at my car. And 
I just wanted to take that golf club and do so many things to my car because I could see it. I can drive, Anthony. If someone says, can you drive? I can drive. Just don't ask me if I'm going to hit anything or kill somebody or (laughs) type thing. And so I called my brother and I said, you need to come up. Congratulations. You just got a brand new, you know, car. Um, I know you got the other rep because I had two cars, one for the beach, one for, and I said, you got to get it out of here today. I said, you've got to get it out. And if it wasn't for Janine, um, my brother would have been taking the car to the Savage Yard. And um, I think it's so important that we all work together um, as we go through our changes, because I have met some amazing people that have had no sight, such as Katie, you know, from FCB. Mm-hmm. She is so amazing. And she's yeah. never had sight. Like, like, and there's so many other people in our community that you would never know that they have no sight. And then you have those that have, um, you know, lost their sight gradually to total, to become totals and the way they share their journeys and, you know, give us little tidbits of survival. And I just have to say what you guys have done with Facebook and Zoom. I came in in August. I had no idea that this all was just developed. I assume this is what's been going on for years. And I was just in the dark. (laughs) Like when I rolled in, I'm like, to be fair, forms of this forms of this have been going on for a very long time within ACB. The local chapters have always had their local meetings, and a lot of things were going to Zoom before the pandemic hit. Uh, some some state and special interest affiliates had had you know ongoing calls and Zoom meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And when the need when the need came, and Cindy Hollis reached out, you know, a lot of a lot of the ongoing we're able to step up and say hey this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it and one thing led to another and it and it evolved into you know what is now the what is such a beautiful community call experience um i mean hearing about hearing about your experience it brought to mind i would have loved to have had a call like that available to me when i was on the bus at two o'clock in the morning and the driver thought it would be funny to drop me off three spots three stops past where I needed to go telling me that was and it took me a good 10 minutes just to figure out I'm not where they told me I am um you know and and thankfully there are tools that exist like Ira and be my eyes and you know in the panic of it all I didn't think of either one of those tools for about 10 minutes when you know and I, I realized no no I'm not where I'm supposed to be so how do I figure oh. out where I am you know, and, and of course, at that point, I was still living in Staten Island, New York, where um, nearby Explorer and, and those type of apps weren't helpful because I was in the middle of, um, you know, a very, un- yeah. no, no, an un- no, 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 an unpopulated part of Staten Island along the waterfront where there weren't buildings. There weren't, oh. uh, one side was the waterfront and the other side was, was a huge complex, which we call Snug Harbor. Um, but all, you know, it's a, it's an, a nature preserve and, and all kinds of things. So had I have been at the beginning of it or the end of it, I would have figured out pretty quickly, but being dropped off in the middle of it, not a clue, couldn't figure it out for a while. Got, but wow. again, I digress. These calls are absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for stepping up and bringing all that you have to 
the organization to ACB, of course, to FCB. Thank you for coming to Sunday edition. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share? And also please remind everybody when the three calls are and how they could uh, reach you if they would like to reach out. So first of all, where I am today in ACB, I would never be without everyone that has been playing a role. And that list is so long. I don't want you to start playing the music, but I have to get off the stage. So just to let you know, everyone in the executive committee, um, Cindy, you, everyone who's created all these tools and places to allow our voices to be heard. Um, and my crew from Out of Sight Adventures come join us every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you can't catch us on the Zoom, please, uh, please come hear us on ACB radio. Um, always check the community listings for which channel we're on. On Wednesdays, it's our health checkup. Please join my team, Darrow, Jay, and I, as we take on some very serious topics um, and some that really impact. We're super excited that next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, we're gonna start our trauma series. And I think right now our community really needs to not talk about the trauma in the trauma room, but talking about how trauma has the physiological effect on our bodies and how to start dealing with it. And we're actually gonna have a specialist on dealing with music, with um, vibration and harmony to help the body heal from Beautiful. different types of trauma. Yeah. And then on Sundays at 8 p.m., our new time is a brand new world and everyone is welcome. Um, for the next couple of weeks, we're not going to have a topic. We're just going to let you come in and tell us what was your, what was your high? What was your low of the week? And let's just talk because sometimes we have great calls with all these educational pieces, but sometimes we just need to sit back and just be organic. And I've had a beautiful time with you, Anthony, and your call is fantastic. And I'm super excited. I had the honor of being on here and really looking forward to all the things that ACB is doing. I know we've been going through some growing pains, but you know what? Let's focus on our leadership, some our leadership, and let's get our voices heard and bring the humanity of ACB to those legislators in Washington, D.C., so they can see that no coronavirus slowed us down. It just made us stronger. Wow, what a great segue for the next segment. We'll be talking about leadership and um, and more with Kenneth Simeons in a few minutes. And as you may know, I started a series of conversations that will be once a month. Uh, the first weekend of February is the next one on Losing Sight Midlife with Tyson Ernst and other various guests. Um, we have touched on the topic and we'll be discussing it more about the, the grieving process. So maybe we can piggyback with one of the calls and do, you know, do an open call about grieving and the importance of understanding that you do need to grieve your eyesight when you leave it. But I'm sure you and I will be in touch very soon. I want to thank you so much for gracing Sunday edition with your presence. And I will be right back with Kenneth Simmons after this quick promo. Thank you.
The American Council of the Blind plays an important role in the daily lives of blind and visually impaired individuals all over the country. Whether it's making products and services more accessible for the blind, advocating for appropriate education for blind students, issuing scholarships to deserving college students, fighting for accessible currency, along with a host of other issues, it takes contributions from all of us. You can help by joining the monthly monetary support program, MMS. It's a great opportunity for members and friends to make sure these efforts continue. What ACB does enhances all of our lives. For more information, go to our website, acb.org, click on the donations link, go to the MMS tab, and enter. Or call 612-332-3242. Wow, time sure flies when you're having a great conversation. Welcome back to Sunday Edition. Now I am pleased to continue a conversation with friends of the show, Kenneth Simmons, who I had on when we spoke about Texas's convention. We spoke about some leadership stuff that I've been waiting to dive back into. Kenneth, welcome to Sunday. Welcome back to Sunday Edition. Thank you for jo- uh, for inviting me. Really, I'm honored today that I've gotten uh, this opportunity. Uh, uh, and through all the challenges I may face or have faced even today with technology, uh, I continue to press forward. Uh, and uh, it's a great thing. Great opportunity. Well, I'm glad we were able to work it out. So were you able to access your notes in a different way or are we going to play fast and loose today? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I have I have a little access with what, what, one eye. I could <laughs> see some things on my screen. OK, thank God for that one. Yeah. So let's 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 go back to the conversation that we had had um, when you were on with Texas and we were talking about leadership and mentorship. And um, let's let's go with let me start with what does leadership mean to you? Uh, Leadership to me means being leading by example, uh, demonstrating what you want others to follow and, uh, you know, just encouraging other people to come along with you. Awesome. You know, Terry gave us Terry gave us a really great uh, segue from one uh, and that wasn't planned. So that was great from one <laughs> portion of the show to the next. Uh, and she also did reference something that's coming up next month, ACB's Leadership Week. So there's a lot of preparation going into changing this over to a virtual format. What um, what tips and tricks would you uh, suggest to people that are going to be meeting their delegations virtually this time around and how can they take what they are and put it into a leadership f- scope? Well, first, uh, it's important that we be open to uh, those others who are around us that have the ability and skill to help us out and uh, tune in and ask questions uh, in a document that I created and has been posted in our ACB Braille forum called 15 Ways to Maximize Your ACB Membership. Uh, number one is be inquisitive. So I would begin with uh, asking questions and being open to learning. Uh, never believe that you, you know it all already. There's so much more. And every time we communicate with someone, we can learn, learn more. So this is a great opportunity in February that's coming up for people that are, even if you don't hold a title uh, within ACB, you can still be prepared to learn and gain some insight to move you forward in your personal life and as, as well as learning how to connect with you have to offer to ACB and members. Awesome. And you have several leadership roles, both current and in the past. You are the immediate past president of Texas. You um, 
you were very heavily involved with uh, Doward K. McDaniel, as well as uh, the J.P. Morgan Fellow, uh, let me say it right, the J.P. Morgan Fellowship Scholarship, is that it? J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership uh, Fellowship. Mm -hmm. That's it. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about, about those two. And uh, if you want to ruminate on some past experiences when you were president of Texas, feel free as well. Okay. Well, um, I will start with, uh, you know, in 2012, when I became president of ACB of Texas, I had no intention on doing that. Uh, earlier that year, I'd said I would never do it. And, uh, and something happened that prompted me to just step up and uh, go for it. And, you know, when you were sitting there to wait and uh, hear the determination as to whether you were elected or not, I still had to be prepared for to uh, lead a board meeting directly after that particular uh, uh, meeting we had. So I had my agenda prepared and some thought I was uh, really, wow, you're, you're doing this and you don't even know if you're going to win. Well, I have to be prepared. That's one thing I really try my best to be prepared in advance, think, be proactive as possible. And so I went ahead and I took this assignment and uh, had, it, it was challenging in the beginning, but uh, because mainly there were some new, some people that had been, been around for a long time who had not gotten to know me and who I was and where I had been already. So they were, I was receiving direction from people on a daily basis. You should do this, you need to do that. So I had to, I was trying to comply with all those things, but I had my own ideas. And after a while I started thinking, okay, when I get new ideas from others, I'll just start an ideas list that we can come back to. I need to actually definitely know that my term is not going to end and I didn't accomplish the goals that I had set uh, from the beginning. And I actually made it known to everyone uh, that, uh, you know, together we win. That was my uh, platform and put notices out there about things I feel like we could do together to achieve uh, the goals to uh, move the uh, organization forward. So uh, that's my key thing is working with others. Collaboration is power. Uh, it's nice. energy that yeah. you don't have alone. You know, uh, and what you don't know, somebody else may step up and, know, and uh, input give that input. So that's important. Uh, and it connects with, with the DCAM uh, First Timers Award, of which I received in 2010. Uh, you know, it was questionable when my president uh, back then asked me to apply, only because she had witnessed what I had done. She actually become familiar with what I had done uh, before I actually joined ACB, uh, which, uh, you know, I've been a member for 15 years now. And uh, it's been 18 years ago when I experienced uh, vision loss and hearing loss. Uh, while dealing with meningitis and during an 89 day hospital stay. So I've come a long way since then. When it seemed hopeless before, doors have opened up for me to join in and help things to move forward in a positive way. So I continue to get one opportunity after another. Uh, so being a DCAM first timer myself, I know how to connect with those who apply today. And, uh, you know, we started accepting applications. Uh, in January on uh, on the first as of the first and we haven't gotten many uh, but we're trying to encourage people to go ahead and uh, read those articles that are in the Braille form they're in they're in the December Braille form and in the January Braille form uh, for the ACB uh, slash JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award and the DCAM First Timers Award now both of those have similar criteria uh, and mainly, I'll just begin by saying uh, on each one of these awards, uh, you must be a member that uh, who is at, at least age 18. Uh, you must be blind or visually impaired, a member in good standing. And that means that your dues are current. And you must, must also never, for a DCAM first time, you must have never attended an in-person ACB conference and convention. 
and that's that's new since COVID came in. We uh, proposed to the board of directors that we would allow people to participate in uh, last year's uh, conference and convention, and even apply for the award and actually be able to uh, join in at an in-person convention at a later date. So we put it out there to make sure everybody knows that even if you attended the you know, the uh, virtual conference and convention, you are still eligible to apply for this award if you have never attended an in-person conference and convention. Uh, it's also uh, important for them to, uh, those who, uh, who read the article that's in the Braille form to know uh, that they must agree to attend uh, the entire convention. Uh, when we go face-to-face, -face, uh, you'll be there. Uh, we'll have, you'll have your way paid to join us. And there will be like several classes of DCAM first-timers coming together during that time since we had some from last year who will not be able to join in in person until we meet again, most likely in Nebraska in 2022. So uh, other than that, you must uh, submit a letter of uh, application uh, detailing all of your your involvement right now within your local chapter, your affiliate, your community, uh, even share your educational background and your uh, personal uh, profession or professional accomplishments. So it's important that um, you put all of that in your letter, really brag on yourself. When I first applied, <laughs> I felt bad about that. I felt, well, I'm not used to bragging about myself and I didn't want to apply. My, my president said, if you don't brag about yourself, you may not be selected. So. Uh, uh, and I bragged about myself and it really caused me to remember some things that I didn't even remember I had done. So I encourage everybody to begin typing a letter, making some notes in a document about all the things you've been, been involved with. Because you didn't do it just for recognition, uh, you may have not remembered everything. So but when mm -hmm. you make a note, create your own personal profile or make some notes about everything you're getting involved with. And if you ever need to uh, update your resume or apply for an award, you don't have to scramble to make it shine. You can go to that document to refer to some details about some things that you had, you had been involved in that would that may connect with what you're applying for. So that is great advice. I just recently had to put together a cover letter, and you know, you you, you get all kinds of advice. There are tools out there to look at. Uh, most people suggest doing past, present, future as as a model for your cover letter. But then it's wow, wait a minute, how much? What do I put in? What do I not put in? And then as you start listing the things that you want to put in so much more, oh, I did that too. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I did that. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that's a great idea to have a, a living document that you can continuously refer to. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Some people, you're welcome. Some people told, uh, told us that after they have applied and everything it's time for an interview to take place. So that's one thing that uh, everyone will go through that applies, uh, uh, go through an interview uh, about uh, for about 30 minutes and uh, we get to know you and you get to ask us questions and we just pro provide you with some information that will help you to move forward uh, in the progress that you'll go through for several months. So, uh, but it's important that uh, everybody be prepared in the best way that they can. But so many people have said, oh, I need to tell you this because I forgot to put this in my application. I feel it's important. So that's one of those references that I would uh, glean on uh, uh, from because people, several people have done it. They have, they've applied and after they really heard about what was going to, going to happen for them, they wanted to make sure that you knew the other things that they had done. And so following that letter of uh, application, uh, each applicant will uh, be expected to get their affiliate or uh, any, uh, special interest affiliate or state affiliate president to write a letter of recommendation. 
And that would have to entail them uh, putting down some notes about your leadership potential, things that they've witnessed you being involved with, or even things that you have shared with them that you have done that they may not have witnessed. But it's most important that you share things that you have done while you have been dealing with vision loss, if you're new to it. Uh, and it's just good to get some things going and be able to uh, share those things that are important to you. And you know, they will be important to uh, make you uh, cause you to shine, I would say, in your application. And so you help your president to write that letter in the most effective way. Now, what we, we, we discourage is that you submit your letter to your president and your, your president submits your own letter as a letter of recommendation. We want the president to give their own input. It's important that we get we hear from the president. Uh, vouching for this person says, yes, I, I've witnessed, had great conversations with them. I've witnessed them helping out when they needed to step up and they they may help me to some good things like this person always volunteers before we even uh, ask, you know, the person is very attentive and they're paying attention to what needs to be done and they're showing up and asking, where can I help? You know, how can I help? And this is a great moment to actually ask you as president of, Te as past president of Texas, what um what kind of a checklist or or things should the presidents be checking off in their head when they are about to write a, a letter of recommendation for one of their um one of their members? Uh, it's at some point some of uh, the affiliate presidents say they I've never done this before so I don't know what should be included in the letter. Can you give me some ideas? Uh, and some have even asked if I had a letter from another president that I could share. Well, we haven't done that. We, we wouldn't want you to uh, just actually mimic, mimic yeah. what somebody else has submitted. So we'll just give you some ideas and remind you what's already in the article that we put out uh, into the Braille form that gives you some ideas about what should be included in there. And I mentioned some of those earlier, but it's, it's most important that you consider even things that you have done as a leader and, and compare some of those things to this person where they, their background and maybe, uh, have a great conversation with them and pretty much assess where they've been and where you feel that they're headed and, and not just go by what you feel, but clarify by asking them questions about, you know, what are your goals for the upcoming two to five years? You know, what do you want to achieve? You know, what's your real purpose for wanting to apply for this award? Because we really want people that really want to assist uh, ACBT as we move forward. I mean, ACB as we move forward, because, some people apply, they think our DCAM first time was award is just for you to be able to attend a convention with no commitment. Well, uh, we ask you to be committed to participating in specific workshops uh, that will be held during the conference and convention. Uh, and so it's not just a free trip just to go out and uh, have fun in the, in the city. You know, you can add those things in uh, beyond your schedule that's uh, designated to you and you will know well in advance before uh, you even register for the actual ACB conference and convention, what's expected of you uh, to, in ways of uh, participating, uh, then you can actually fit in those other times uh, about through your registration. So we give them some insightful tips and we also have an informative uh, call uh, with all applica applicants, uh, regardless of which award they're applying for, uh, to give them some uh, insight. Uh, we have Janet Dickelman to join us and give them some uh, insight about what's uh, happening on her side. And she, Janet has been very good to join in and help us to make sure we get them very much prepared. We paint a picture for them, especially if you've never been. Uh, wow. It's important for them to just have this picture in their mind about what they may be able to experience. Although it's never gonna be clear until you really do it yourself, but at least you have some insight uh, about what to expect. 
So let's jump to J.P. Morgan, and then I want to mention Stephen Salas. But let's go with J.P. Morgan first. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about that award and um, if the process is any different and, um, you know, your experience with that. Okay. Before I say that, I wanted to say this. Uh, uh, regarding the DKM First Timers Award, uh, we uh, recognize one person from the East and one from the West, and uh, that's right. of the Mississippi River. And uh, so we'll, there'll be two awardees for uh, 2021. And then for the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award, we recognize two, I mean, five recipients of that yep. award. And that has been common for like, this, this is the sixth year. And uh, and so funding is given for them to attend face to, uh, an in-person conference and convention. So as I stated earlier, uh, for both of the awards, those uh, applicants who are selected will be able to attend the next uh, in-person conference and convention, although they will begin virtually and still be uh, honored, recognized uh, uh, through a reception that we have for them, you know. And uh, so, but other than that, for the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award, it's an advanced leadership award. So uh, those people, you don't, you can, you may have attended a conference and convention before. You may have been a part of ACB for a long time, but you decide that you want to get back into uh, playing a, a leadership role or join in, uh, learn more about how to how to help your affiliate in moving forward. So you may want to apply for this award. And you, you know that you have some documentation about some things that you have done through the years. You, you are better, more, I would say, better prepared if you've done some things before and you need to apply for this award. You can share those things you know you've done in offices you, offices you have held in your chapter or affiliate. And even if you've actually done, like some of us have actually started our own local chapters. Uh, and, uh, and just to make sure that we didn't have to travel uh, to another city to attend a meeting or simply become a member at large because we maybe uh, see the need for us to, to connect with others uh, as uh, very important. And so that's what I did uh, uh, right before I applied for the DCAM first time was awarded the year before. I started my local chapter because we, we were traveling to Houston, Texas for five years, a group of us having someone to drive us. And uh, so all of those things apply here when you're looking at these awards, uh, think about things that you've done before and all those things you've achieved, those things you've initiated with this award. That's very important. When we have your interview, we'll ask you specific questions having to do with what you've done and where you plan on going in the future. What commitment would you, will you plan on making to ACB? You know, after you, uh, this award is given to you and after the convention is over, uh, we normally uh, recommend, uh, I, I normally send all of the applicants uh, or recipients uh, an email message uh, sharing the link for them to go and look at all of our committees uh, that they could consider serving on. And they have, they're encouraged to even contact the chairperson of a committee if they have interest in that particular committee to uh, then allow uh, the, uh, the uh, president of ACB to know that you are, you are ready to serve in some way, you know, and you may see several committees that you're interested in and then by talking to the chairperson, you may be able to gain a little bit more insight and determine, well, oh, yeah, I see I fit better here. And it's important that you find where you fit best, because if you just choose a committee or allow someone to just put you on a committee uh, and you, you don't fit well, you're not going to be able to perform well. And uh, I would hope that people would really consider that because it's so important uh, that you not be considered for removal from a committee because you're not able to perform. 
Uh, so it's yeah. best to, to know where you connect with that committee and, and ask questions and really know whether this is the right thing for you. But it's good to find somewhere to serve within ACB after you've received one of these awards. And it's it's very fair to say that not everything that you set your mind out to, not everything is going to be the fit that you think it's going to be. And it is okay to to say, you know, like this is not necessarily from me. Let me try something else. That's correct. Um, I think that people get, you know, they step up to, they want to be involved. They step up. They think that something's going to be a fit, and there should be no 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 level of of shame or embarrassment if the the initial thought process was not exactly what you you know if it doesn't turn out to be exactly what you thought in the initial thought process to be able to say, hey, thank you for letting me try this here. Let me go here instead and identify a different area or a different space that might work better for you. Um, That's correct. Yeah. So what else do we need to know about JP before we go on to another subject? Well, I think uh, that's it. I encourage everybody to read the article more than once. I always tell people to read it and review it, uh, those articles that are in the uh, Braille forum. Uh, I will post things out there on our uh, several of our lists uh, as a backup, you know, because some people uh, misplace their uh, newsletter or publication. So, uh, I will make sure that uh, we get the word out in several ways. Uh, thank you for inviting me today because this is giving me an opportunity that I was going to request and it just suddenly happened. So we want to make sure that everybody knows that we're ready to receive your application and we don't want you to wait until the deadline of April the 5th. Okay. That's a long time. And the majority of our applicants in the past have actually delayed until uh, closer to the deadline. And we're trying our best to uh, go ahead and get you to go ahead and submit those, the letter of application and get your president to submit that letter of recommendation well before April the 5th so that we can begin reviewing those letters because com- committee members are expected to review all of those uh, letters. One year we had, two years ago, we had like 40, uh, it was 49, I do believe, uh, applicants uh, total. And so we had nine, that means we have 98 letters to uh, review yeah. and, and uh, on both sides. So that's why it's important for us to get that in, uh, in advance so that we could know that we uh, are going to be able to read them carefully and be able to be prepared to, to serve you best. You know, we want you to have a positive experience. That's the main thing. So everything we, we do, we try to work at uh, you having the most positive experience. And by coming onto Sunday edition today, it gives it gives ample opportunity for people to think about um, how they want to present or um, ACB members out there who, like I'm thinking right now, somebody in Florida, maybe myself, will nudge uh, my previous guest Terry to think about applying for one of the two. Um, but all members out there, if there's someone that you that you really think would shine and would be a representative for one of these two awards, now's the time to to start those conversations and to gather up the documentation and the the experiences needed. So please, um, you know, oh, excuse me, uh, Kenneth just said that the deadline is April 5th, but we don't really want to have 30, 40 submissions coming in the last two weeks of March. And then you guys have to have to sleeve through all of them to give them all the time and attention that they deserve so that we, we do pick the right candidates to elevate to award winners. Yes. And I was thinking about, as I listened to Terry speak today, so energetically and enthusiastically today, I'm thinking that she would be a great candidate for our DCAM first timers award. You know, she's already gotten involved. 
she hit the ground running, as they may say, uh, and, uh, and would be a great candidate to consider for that award. Absolutely. Well, thank you, gentlemen. You're so kind. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. You're welcome. Sheila Young, I'll be calling you soon. <laughs> See, we inspired. We already inspired one submission. I feel like I have done justice today. But um, yes. a couple of moments ago, I mentioned Stephen Salas and the reason that I did. And some may remember that he is the fellow who stood and uh, told Kim Charleston that at some point he was going to be sitting in her seat. Um, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, but he has said that you've been um, a, a significant mentor. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the after. What okay, happens after yes. and what we would like to happen after. Okay. Can I begin by this at least acknowledging my committee uh, before we sure, switch please. too far? Okay. Hey, I'm thankful that I have uh, some great people on my committee uh, that I could not uh, achieve our goals without. Anthony Akamine from Hawaii, dynamic. All these folks are really. Ted Boardman uh, from Indiana is a new committee member this year. Marja Byers, excellent. All of these are all of these people are just excellent. Uh, Zelda Gebhardt, the pretty oh, much a Zelda, backbone, Zelda. A backbone here of the yes. committee. Betsy Grinovich, uh, Amanda Selm, Frank Ventura, and Sheila Young. And so uh, it's, it's a great thing. Uh, one thing that we ask, uh, uh, I think you were asking me to go into speaking about uh, what's uh, after the award is received or what, what were you focusing on? Yes. So uh, one thing about that, we, I wanna make sure we have uh, you, know, you to be aware of a lot of things that you may not be aware of. So I try my best to continue communicating with you. And so each year I, I pretty much in increased uh, my participation in uh, working with uh, our recipients so that, uh, and try to make sure I know where they stand, where they are uh, with uh, their knowledge about our organization and try to make sure I continue to share uh, meaningful uh, resources with them. So uh, some commitments that I make each year uh, have to be with uh, agreeing to uh, begin uh, building a rapport with our recipients so that we can know they can, I want them to know they can feel free to contact me at any time. Any question you have, uh, it's welcome. Uh, you can, you would be able to contact me by email or phone, text message, however you might uh, want to. And I always want to have that door open and I want to be able to uh, be able to connect with you and assess where you are now as a, a leader and uh, what skills and abilities that we can help you to work on that would help you to grow uh, and be uh, more involved and, and engaged in what's going on and uh, build, build you up for future assignments that may really uh, uh, benefit the organization as, as well as yourself in your personal life. Um, so uh, beyond that, there's a number of things we, uh, once you, we do have mentors on our committee. Every committee member that attends a conference and convention is, is asked to uh, accept one of our uh, recipients as uh, a mentee. And they will actually, we have a mentor guide that we've come up with that's uh, very important with very detailed things, uh, with some of the things I've already spoken about, about how they are to connect with that person and let them know that I'm available for you during the national convention and I will be able to answer your questions, whatever I can't answer, then they refer you to the chair of the committee. And I always check in with people myself, although the mentors are in place and they know what to do. Every once in a while, I would just send a text message to 
uh, our recipients and ask them how things are going. Do you have any any further questions beyond what you've already presented? And normally I get feedback from that saying, yes, I, this this just came up. I need to know whether I should do this or can I do that, you know, uh, because they have a schedule of events they have to follow. And it's so important that they would uh, keep their word in that because they agree several times to follow those those guidelines. So we mainly want to keep in touch. And I always want them to have the 15 ways to maximize your ACB membership, because if you want to be a leader, some of those details in there I mentioned earlier, number one is be inquisitive. But it goes on to to tell you to uh, go to visit our ACB website, read through it and find out all that ACB is doing. Go to your state affiliates website even your special interest affiliates website and find out what they are doing, activities. Um, then you can go to them that will prompt questions after you review those things that prompts you to go and ask the person in charge of any of those areas uh, to give you more uh, input uh, uh, based on what you've already reviewed. And then uh, it's important for you to begin to find out who the leaders are within ACB, within your affiliate, and even your chapter and and watch what they are doing and ask them questions and see how you can learn from what they offer. And also, you may find out that you uh, you may learn something from them in a positive way. And sometimes we learn things uh, when, like somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do and we know it should be done. Uh, we say, OK, now, even though they're not doing that, maybe I may be able to find a creative way to tell them it would be good to include this in what they do. But we have to be very careful when we share what our thoughts are in that area so we don't offend, offend anybody. But uh, the thing about a leader, we should be committed to growing and accepting feedback from our members as well. You know, uh, none of us uh, know it all. And I spoke to you yesterday or Friday about leadership uh, blind spots. Some of those things uh, we need to acknowledge as leaders. Uh, sometimes we we're not prepared as much as prepared as we should be. And there's always something we can learn. And we always have to be open to learning and uh, continue to be excited about uh, becoming better educated, uh, no matter how many years you've put in. And one of those leadership blind spots is because you may have served for a while within an organization, and you know, a whole lot. Um, sometimes we fail to to connect with the person that's new and know where, find out where they are. Don't just begin by using uh, all of our uh, acronyms that we have and you don't explain what those acronyms mean, acronyms mm -hmm. mean, you know? And uh, so we have to be think of, think about all of those things. Sometimes you're just so used to just conversating with people you already know within the organization. They've been here for a while. We have to really get to know those people personally, be attentive to what they are saying uh, and sometimes even beyond that, uh, when I call it a blind spot, even in, in your regular life, uh, at times when people are uh, expressing their feelings and anger, you know, sometimes you can that can cause you to go to respond negatively or you can sit back and really tune into what's being said. Sometimes you may find out that person is just really hurt. You know, they're dealing with something that's really terrible for them. And you can come back with something positive and change that thing around. Uh, I, I started yeah. off with uh, a telephone company years ago uh, when I was a teenager and uh, worked for 22 years. But when I first began, I started as a telephone operator. And some of those very things, we'd get customers that would come in and they were angry. You know, they were mad at something that didn't work well in the company. They took it out on us at times. And uh, so I went through a training one time. It was called Don't Get Hooked. And it's so I, I learned a whole lot and applied that to my personal life. And we have to continue to remind ourselves to apply those things that we learn because uh, sometimes we, with so much going on, we can be distracted. But I learned by 
they're going through that training. When customers came in and even called me a name, but they didn't even know who I was or anything, I learned not to take it personal and uh, listen to what they have to say. And I'll go back and say, okay, I hear what you're saying. Uh, can I help? Can I help you in this way? And I've had people to, to listen to what I, I, I refer to in, in my comments. And uh, they might say, you know, I, I, by the end of the call, we're working together better. And they say, you know what? I apologize for talking to you the way I did. I've been so mad about it. So many things going on at home and on my job. And, and I'm sorry for taking it out on you. So we, it's important for us to know that at times we should consider everybody because we have our days too that we're not uh, so good at responding or communicating. You know, so sometimes it's good to take a break, step back and tune into where uh, their uh, words are coming from with, uh, deeply within, you know. And uh, so uh, by, by saying that, it reminds me, I tell people this, I collect eagles and I've collected eagles for years because of their keen vision. One time I learned about uh, uh, how they how they soar so high, so much higher. This they actually had taught me to soar above my uh, my problems a lot of times. And and you see clear when you look, and you're not caught up in the, what's going on on the surface, you know. And so I love my eagles. They remind me uh, to think about it. Are you looking at uh, the big picture? Are you considering everybody, you know, uh, and what you're saying and how you're responding. Uh, and so it's time, it's good for us to remind ourselves of those things. So did you want to say anything before I just keep rattling off? Yeah. Well, first <laughs> off, I want to say that's a great analogy. I, I love, you know, I love when we can put it into a physicality that we can relate to. So thank you for the eagle analogy. Um, yeah. yeah, there are a couple of things. Um, we, there are some, there are quite a few topics that I wanted to, to broach with you today. Uh, but you mentioned your team, and I do know that Anthony Ackerman had come in. I just want to give a quick opportunity if he wanted to speak up and comment or ask a question. Anthony, if you're there, you can unmute yourself and, and uh, say hello. All right. Well, if he comes in, he can politely say hello as he does. Um, you actually gave me um, a copy of an article that you submitted to the Borough Forum, which I'm pretty sure is coming in the February Borough Forum, and I'm going to submit to the blog, acbvoices.org. The blog definitely is always looking for submissions, always looking for quality material. And one thing that, you know, I, first off, the, the entire article, when you guys say it, please read it. It's awesome. Um, but one thing that really struck me was the part where you where you sat and started um, reviewing things about yourself and how you had at that point a less open minded perspective and how you taught yourself to learn from varying perspectives or uh, you know absolute opposite perspectives and what you can take from from those things. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Because it really struck me hard. And I think that that's something that every leader should have. That's a quality every leader should have. Yes. Uh, today is a Sunday, beautiful day. We have sun shining. And uh, on a Sunday like this, I sat out on my patio uh, and I'm near a major road. So as I sat there, I was listening to music, uh, easy listening music. And I just wanted some thinking time. So I just sat out there uh, and I, I get some time to really think about it and get new ideas and all by doing that. But as I sat out there, I heard the cars passing by 
And I started thinking about, I wonder where they're going. You know, uh, you know, we all live different lives and we never know what other people are doing. And sometimes not knowing at times we can easily judge someone else by just what yep. we, how we perceive things. And so I thought about it. It'd be great for me to just think about what's going on beyond these, my fence backyard. And so then I, I compared that to the fences I built in my own mind, shutting things out that someone may have said to me, they, they may have meant for it to be of help to me. And I didn't see where they were coming from. And also one thing I put in, in the Beyond My Perception article is that at times when it comes from a person, this is one of these leadership blind spots too. At times we, we, uh, we put people in a box and we keep them there. And, and that's not, they may not be who they really are, but we have put this person as a leader is ter a terrible thing to see somebody behave badly uh, and not give them a second opportunity to correct that or, or witness them doing something differently later. And you could judge them and put them in this box. And if uh, some assignment comes up, you're looking for someone to help you in your affiliate or chapter, and you would not choose that person because you hold you may hold a personal personal grudge because of one experience you had with them. And everybody should be given a second chance because we have had second chances and we need those every once in a while. So as I sat there, I just thought about all those things that that I had in my, my frame of reference that I had been looking at life in a certain way. And I'm just thinking about those people that passed by on, the, on uh, this major road here, uh, which is called Major Drive. And uh, what, what, what are they thinking as they go wherever they're headed? We're always headed somewhere and it doesn't have to be physical. You can head with places by, within your own thoughts. And so that's what I did that day. And I began to think of all these things. And that's what prompted me to come right in and type what I was thinking and put together back then, which was 10 years ago, beyond my perception. But I revised it a little bit recently uh, during the last few months of, the tw of 2020 because of what things that we went through during uh, COVID-19 in 2020. And so I wanted to look on the brighter side of things uh, and see what I could learn out of all the challenges that were presented to us during 2020. Uh, it, it appeared to be a, just a terrible year, you know, and in and, and one oh, yeah. way it really was. But there were some good things that we could find, too, Absolutely. even beyond the challenges of it, uh, we could find. And so I was telling somebody not long ago, we continued to move forward. We, we had our uh, state and national conventions virtually. Uh, we continued to have our monthly meetings with our chapters. We just switched it to phone. Uh, to uh, phone calls and 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 continue to keep in touch, encouraging people by email, text, or whatever you have to do. Uh, some people really need to know that uh, since they they're living alone, that they're not alone. Uh, some people uh, spoke on one of the community calls. The first one we had having to do with peer support. I joined that call, and after that call, I let Cindy know that I'm willing to call some of these people and talk to them. I'll make time out of my day to call a few people and check on them because so many on that call were saying, yeah. and it was just the beginning. They were having struggles with that. being in a lot, you know. So, yeah. uh, but all that applies to uh, just just opening up and thinking about what's going on around you. It's much more than what we think. If we don't consider other people, we'll live in our own little world. And uh, and then there's so much more going on that we might miss out that we can benefit from, you know, uh, and so it's so, so important for us to even get out. Some people stay at home a whole lot, even before COVID-19. And I encourage people to get out into the community, be a part of the community, let people know that we are able uh, to participate and contribute. 
And so I'm on a number of committees and councils, uh, just anything I can do to let them know that we are able to do these things because uh, they, they, they have some people, other people have put us in a box that we're not able. If they only knew all the things that uh, uh, we are doing, you know, it's just, it's amazing how uh, doors have opened up for us to be creative and how to achieve beyond our vision loss and even my hearing loss, okay? Because sometimes it's really a challenge on both sides you know, for me, uh, but I continue to, to persevere because I know I cannot, as in written in my article, I cannot accept mediocrity. I cannot just back down and just live a sad life. I'm here for a purpose, especially after a uh, doctor said I would not live uh, 18 years ago. This year will be 19 years. Uh, I thought, okay, I'm here for a reason. I cannot sit around. I have to have a daily purpose. I can't sit around and just listen to music, watch TV. Those are part of my day, but I must be connected and doing some things to make a difference for uh, the rest of my life. That's what my goal is, my personal goal. Uh, and I've been given opportunities to kind of keep that going. So, but the important thing about all that I've said is going beyond what you think and how you view things. Listen, start listening to what other people are saying and consider why they view things the way they do. You know, yes. uh, sometimes we just don't understand where they're coming from and you can shove them to the side because they don't agree with you. Uh, but what if you really ask them, hey, can you share a little bit more about why you view it that way? You know, and then you may yes. be able to understand where they're, where, why they look at things. And sometimes you may be able to offer some insight then if you were willing to talk to them and make them feel that like they matter uh, to you enough for you to ask that question, they may in turn turn back to you and say, hey, let's, let's really talk. I don't know how you feel and why you view things the way you do because we were disagreeing. And sometimes you may be able to uh, encourage somebody to, to look at things a different way, or at least consider meeting in the middle, you know? Something you just said, um, I, I absolutely love, and, and I built a show around it right before Christmas. You know, I wanted to, sh I wanted to highlight things that were positive, things that were great about 2020. It was such a hard year. There were so many. I mean, being coming from New York, I, I lost quite a few people that I was close to and, and secondary, you know, people that I was close to lost people. So it just felt like, you know, every, every other day, something was, you know, putting more negativity, putting more reason to, to feel down. And so I put together a show about the highlights of 2020 and finding bright spots. So if you're listening and, and you're interested, please go back and look for that show in the podcast feeds. But also I wanted to, I wanted to touch on, on the article one last time before we move on to the next subject. And Byron, if you want to scan and see if anybody has it hands up, please let us know as well. But, you know, people in the world, in this country, most especially lately, have been a, assigning um, state color, state locality, skin color, et cetera, to, to their judgmental feelings upon someone. And sometimes they're good judgments and sometimes they're bad judgments. But you know, whether you're red or blue, whether you're black or white, whether, you know, whether you believe in a free market economy or a more governmental controlled economy, et cetera, et cetera, you know, there doesn't have to be dividing lines. There's something that can be learned. And that's what I loved coming out of your article, that if you take a step back and put the color away, whether it be a state color, a skin color, whether it be, you know, a difference of, of personal morales, et cetera, et cetera. If you take a step back and you just listen to the person, there's still, there's still the opportunity to learn something. And if not learn something, to at least understand where that 
side is coming from and be able to sharpen and hone how you want to handle the difference of opinion. Do you have any comments on that? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's been something that's been happening. And, uh, and I've, I've really viewed even just just recently re- uh, listening to Congress uh, make their cast votes recently, listening mm-hmm. to both sides and uh, thinking about how can we come in, in the uh, meet in the middle if, if you are just you just you won't budge, you know, uh, and we will never have unity if we somebody has to compromise. Life is about compromise. It's one of the key yep. things we have to do, whether you're in a relationship, your friendships, uh, dealing with church members or uh, in school or whatever it may be on the job. We have to compromise because we all come from different walks of life and we cannot expect somebody just to think like we do because we, we just have different experiences that have formed our uh, even our beliefs and values, you know. Uh, but one of the greatest things to do is to think about, okay, I, I love that I have adopted this this thought and value of uh, personally, but is it beneficial to the entire community that I'm, I'm focusing on, I'm dealing with, you know, uh, I'm not really listening mm-hmm. to them. Earlier, I told you about I have a personal development day. I encourage everybody to think about that yep. and put questions in that document, things that you know you want to do, you want to be. Uh, yep. Put them in there, and so you can refer back to the document to ask yourself these questions. Am I treating people like I want to be treated? Am I listening to them like I would like them to listen to what I'm saying? You know, Am I really uh, hearing? Yes. Yeah. Are you really hearing what they're saying, where they're coming from? You know, uh, and it's good to remind yourself because we're so caught up in all these things we're doing. I have I mean, I have assignments on the local, state and national level and beyond ACB, our blindness organizations. I serve as president of the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities. There's so many things. I'm, I'm meeting so many people and I'm honored by it. But I have to consider all of them, all of these people coming from different walks of life and try to figure out, you, do I have to come in on this? If we don't agree, sometimes it's good to just tune in, listen to what they're saying and see if you can grasp something out of that or see if you can uh, expand that conversation at another time even just to find out why they view things like they do. You may be able to gain some insight from what they are saying to you, really, uh, because on a phone call, you don't always get it all, you know, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Aaron, do we may have I, anyone with hands raised? May I add something, Anthony? Sure. The one thing I say, and I say this all the time, is we're all human. We all breathe air in and we all exhale CO2. And if we just take the time to take a deep breath in and exhale and respect one another, we could get a lot more accomplished. That's true. Absolutely. One My thing dad. I've said also, oh, I- uh, is that at times we uh, we really don't listen to what people are saying, but it's uh, it's important that we we do so. Uh, and and now I'll tell you this: I just lost my train of thought. So Anthony, go ahead on, and I'll come back. <laughs> okay. I was going to say my my father adopted a, a process with me and my sister when we were young. Uh, when we were having a, a an actual important discussion, he would put an actual egg timer on the on the table or or wherever we were. He would have the egg timer, and he would say, "Okay, now after I'm after I finish this thought, I'm going to put 20 seconds on this timer. You are not to speak until the timer dings because I want you to be hearing. I want you, I don't want you to be formulating your thoughts on what I'm saying while I'm still speaking. I'm going to give you those 20 seconds, and if you need more, take more." But I'm going to give you those 20 seconds to think about what I said before you respond so that I can guarantee you heard me. And, and that was one, that was one of one of very many valuable lessons my father taught me. 
That's, that's very we, good. We do now, have one uh, hand raised, by the way. Okay. Okay, Byron. Um, Janine, go ahead and unmute. You should be able to speak. Hey guys, um, I I wanted to thank you for this program. I came to support Terry because I'm really lucky, and Terry and I have become really good friends through GOCB um, and coming into community. And I love this show, Anthony. I I didn't know thank you were still <laughs> doing it. Um, you're one of the reasons why I. Um, cared about ACB because I started listening to your Sunday show. But I wanted to say, um, I don't know the name of the gentleman who's speaking, but all your words are being very inspirational and just reminds me to be like that. I, I try to think like you a lot and Terry and I have a lot of the same philosophies. Like even if we have problems, you just have to take a step back and be like, okay, I hear you. Let me just think and formulate and then come back to it. So I, I love hearing about the leadership thing that you were talking about. I, I didn't know about it. So this is great that you did the show. So I just wanted to say thanks for doing the show. Keep up the great work and you're appreciated. Thank you, Thank Thank you so, so much. much. This is Kenneth Simeons. And if you want to go back to the December and January Borough Forum, those articles are there and there's a wealth of material. And that actually segues into what I want, what else I wanted to ask you, Kenneth, when we spoke um, with Texas, you, I had asked you a question about transfer of power between you and Peggy Garrett. And you had told me some amazing stuff back then. And you also spoke about documents that you had put together. Could you revisit that? Because I think everybody's thinking about transfer of power right now in another way, but um, tell, tell us a little bit about taking Texas and, and, and being able to step back and, and help the next leadership flourish and shine. Okay. And those I will. Of course. I, I want to say this. <laughs> the last thing I was going to tell you before is at sure. times we, ex, we expect perfection from imper, imperfect people, you know, and sometimes yes. we're hard, to, we're too hard on one another. So we have to really think about not being so hard and expecting people to be perfect when we're not perfect. You know, so that's my last note on that. But uh, I have a document entitled Beyond the Duties, because uh, when I became president and I served for six years uh, uh, as ACB of Texas president, uh, I, when I became president, uh, very few things were turned over to me uh, to to use, to utilize. So I had to go back on some things that I had uh, done myself and uh, and move forward. But I learned a lot of things that were expected of me that were not in our constitution and bylaws, of which our bylaws uh, have our do, uh, list of duties. None of these things that I have in Beyond the Duties uh, are, are mentioned. So I wanted the next person to know that I learned this and here's this document for you to be aware that this or that may be expected of you. And one of those things basically would be less like we expect our affiliate presidents to write a, a letter of recommendation for an applicant that's applying for an award. Uh, they may not know that in their state affiliate. They may not have been told. Uh, there's several I've spoken to and they didn't know what to do. Uh, they never knew this was an expectation. So it's not in, if it's in, not in any other documentation, it's necessary to, to, develop, uh, to develop a document similar to what I've done. You can label it whatever you may wish, but beyond the duties uh, really describes a lot of different things that nobody may have told you about. And, but it's still expected of you as you serve as president, you know, and when you're new to the organization, there's just so much you don't know and you will learn uh, the more you get involved. And I've learned uh, a lot while being president and I made notes of those things so that I can be prepared to share with the next person, you know. And so I'm excited about that because I update that document continually because I'm still, although 
I'm immediate past president. I still work closely with our president. And uh, sometimes I'm learning new things and I just keep updating that document because it could be beneficial to the next person that serves. Absolutely. Folks, this is what leadership sounds like. And this is, you know, why I wanted to have this conversation now where we're going to be hearing the word leadership a lot over the next month, because of course, we uh, will be doing our virtual sessions. Kenneth, is there anything you want to say to, to somebody who maybe never experienced a leadership week and is contemplating whether or not to register and be a part of leadership week? Yes, I think it's important to begin with uh, uh, notice, noticing those announcements that come out on the community calendar regarding our ACB Leadership Institute. They have mm -hmm. uh, some great workshops that I've been able to participate uh, in. And uh, even though I was telling somebody yesterday, even though I may not, I don't need those things all, all, as some may need it, I still listen in because there's always something I can grasp or take from that session. So I encourage everybody to begin participating in everything you can find out about that has to do, has to do with leadership within ACB, whether it be your chapter, a state affiliate, special interest affiliate, uh, or the national organization itself. Uh, tune into what people, leaders are saying, listening to those board meetings, board of directors meetings that we've been given the opportunity to tune into and watch the process of how they run those meetings. And you get to know so much more about what you're a part of. 15 ways to maximize your membership, ACB membership. I'll be glad to send that out to anybody because it talks about that very thing how important it is to get involved with all those types of things uh, for you to begin to, to know what's really going on. Because in the beginning, it prefaces by saying too often we have uh, joined an organization, didn't really understand its uh, general purpose or a reason for existence, and we depart, we leave because we, we just joined because a friend said, hey, come with me to this meeting or whatever. But you never understood, took time to understand, what, why am I here? What can I gain from this? And so that's what I encourage people to do with the 15 ways to maximize your ACB membership. There's so much more you can do and you'll be, become more excited about what's happening if you get to know what's really happening. Anthony, you there know? is one more person um, with their hand raised with a 443. Yeah, we have a quick two minutes for that. Throw them out. Come on right. out. Come on out. Uh, star nine to unmute. There they go. Hi. Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes, please. Yes. yes. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Kenneth. It's Merrill oh. Sector. Hey, Merrill. Hi. I am so honored to have been selected as a J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow because this year I've really grown, and I want to thank you for all your mentorship. And right now I am mentoring someone in our chapter because I'm the chair of our convention committee for our virtual state convention. And I've been also involved this year in the state um, and the local and the national level on, on the committee. And I'm just thrilled and I just want to give back and help. And I just thank you. Yeah, Meryl was one of those so seven dynamic uh, ladies that were chosen. We had seven uh, females that won our awards this past year, and they were all dynamic. So uh, we're looking yeah. forward to some great applicants this year. So, Kenneth, you know, next time you come back, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about taking the whole two hours. I told you we could talk more than an hour. <laughs> but tell everybody where they can find you if they, if they have questions or they, they want to um, access some of these documents or they'd like to talk to you about your articles or questions, anything. Just tell us where we can okay. find you and any last comments you might have. 
Okay. Well, you can contact me by sending email to Simeon, which is my last name. It's S like Sam, E like Edward, M like Mary, I is an Indian, E is an Edward, N like Nancy. Most people transpose those letters, but it's Simeon.k. That K is the letter beginning with my name, Kenneth, at att.net. Uh, and my phone number uh, that I welcome you to give me a call on if you have questions or comments, 409-866-5838. That's 409-866-5838. And I look forward to meeting more of you. And I ask you to let's talk. Let's talk about things that we may be able to share with one another that we haven't taken time to do so. And thanks for this interview today. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, folks. I'm going to say it again. This is what true leadership sounds like. And in my earlier segment, participation, getting involved, involvement, that's what that sounds like. Terry, Kenneth, thank you so much for joining me today. Please join me next week when it is going to be all about audio description. And let's brunch again next Sunday. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration. AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday.